Happy Friday, Story Fam. You know, some weeks seem more chaotic than others, and I don't know what it's been like for y'all, but at the Huffman House, this has been one of those weeks. <laughs> With schools reopening and some of them subsequently reclosing, like my daughter's school. COVID cases continue to spike, and that can be frustrating as well, although we get some good news here and there with hospitalizations and the death rate uh, trending downward, thank God. But that can be stressful, as can this relentlessly disgusting presidential election season we're in, which will just never end, apparently. Uh, For all these reasons, it's safe to say that we're all feeling a little more tightly wound than usual. Well, I'll just remind you right now that Exodus 14.14 reminds us that the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. I hope you'll find some time for stillness and prayer this weekend. I want to tell you guys about uh, about a couple of things going on in the stories uh, community right now. First of all, Play Your Part 2021 is well underway. I want to say thank you to the 40 or so individuals and families who have already submitted your commitment cards for 2021. Words cannot express how important those commitments are to the story's leadership as we plan for the year ahead. Many of our decisions regarding staffing, many of our decisions regarding uh, our ministry and programming, it's all uh, based on the kinds of support we see coming in through those commitment cards from you and from others who call the story home. So huge thank you to those who have already gotten yours in. If you'd like to get yours in, whether you're a member of the story or you just love this community, you can do that by visiting the story.pledge. I'm sorry, the story.church slash pledge. Once again, that's the story.church slash pledge to get your commitment card in for 2021, just to let us know what your anticipated giving is for the coming year so we can plan accordingly and be good stewards. So thank you again so much. One more quick announcement for all the men who are listening or the women who have men in your lives that you love and care about. Men, we need to be connected to one another, and one of my priorities this season has been launching something called Leading Men every other Tuesday morning, um, October 27th, this next Tuesday. We are gathering at 6.45 in the morning to talk about evolution and Christianity. Uh, We'll be probably 30 or 40 guys in the big room here at the story with breakfast tacos, coffee. We'll eat outside at 6.45. Uh, until seven, and then we'll come inside for um, for a, uh, an hour long presentation with masks and distancing and all that stuff. So this Tuesday uh, we have a very special guest, uh, Dr. Tom Winkler, a physician who is with the Center for Science and Culture at the Discovery Institute in Seattle, Washington. He is going to be here in person, all the way from Seattle, to talk to us about evolution and Christianity, what Christians should think about about evolutionary biology. Hugely important conversation. So all men of all ages, just uh, know that you're invited and we've got a place for you here if you can make it. Today's devotional, this week's, uh, this week's thought and meditation is really about the Bible and what we should do with the Bible whenever we come across something that we feel is morally reprehensible. And this does happen, especially to newcomers to the Bible. So that's been on my heart a lot lately. So this might apply to you as a newcomer to scripture, or it might apply to you as someone who has been around Christianity for a while, but you know people who are new to Christianity and they struggle with scripture. So let's dive right in. What should we do when the Bible gets messy? You know, many well-meaning newcomers to the Bible may feel quickly deflated by the apparent moral ambiguity that they find on some of its pages. 
these people were led to believe that the Bible is the word of God and that God is clearly perfect and loving. So they expect the Bible to be clearly perfect and loving too. Patient readers may be willing to overlook scriptural discrepancies where historical dates or minor details are concerned, but when it comes to morally unambiguous issues like violence and slavery and women's equality, it's more than fair to expect the Bible's teachings to be explicitly good. Now, it doesn't take long for a Bible newbie to discover that many of the stories and some of the laws in the scriptures fall painfully short of the moral perfection we might expect from a book that claims to be inspired by the one true God. In some instances, biblical teachings about gender roles or human sexuality or the eternal destiny of unbelievers just seem to be out of step with modern day ideals like inclusion and affirmation and diversity. And this conundrum leaves many new Bible readers asking, if God is so perfect, why isn't his word? For people who struggle with certain passages of Scripture, the first step in learning to love the Bible can be understanding how your perspective affects what you're seeing on its pages. Imagine yourself in New York's Museum of Modern Art, for example. Imagine yourself standing in front of Van Gogh's masterpiece, The Starry Night. You know the one? Imagine yourself standing in front of it. Imagine yourself hoping to understand the method to Van Gogh's madness. And so you lean toward the painting as far as you can, getting as close as you can without incurring the security guard's wrath. And then raising a magnifying glass to your face, you zero in on a single, small, isolated section of this great work of art. And what do you see that close up? You see chaos, messy, formless, seemingly random chaos. You see nothing but yellow, blue, and black smudges with no apparent rhyme or reason. Feeling a bit underwhelmed, you fix your gaze on another section of the painting, only to find an entirely different kind of chaos. Dots upon dots upon more senseless dots. After casually admiring Starry Night from a distance for much of your life, you expected to find more beauty and more cohesion in Van Gogh's work up close. But you find that the, the closer you get, the uglier it looks and the less sense it seems to make. Disappointed, you shake your head. You slide the magnifying glass back into your pocket, trying to understand what you've just seen. And you step back for one last look, and there it is again, the masterpiece you love. From this distance, what you failed to see up close comes into focus. All the ordinary, ugly parts that are working together to make something extraordinarily beautiful. And you glance around the room at that museum at other works by Van Gogh, Pissarro, Monet and Cassatt, and at last you realize the true genius of the Impressionists. They understood something that most people miss. Up close, life on earth can seem like meaningless noise, but from a distance, it's perfection. Astronauts in outer space often experience the same phenomenon when they reach orbit and look back at planet earth for the first time. Many of these highly trained interstellar scientists report entering a state of absolute mental clarity called the overview effect, which leaves them feeling overwhelmed by the mystery of existence and the sheer size of humanity's spatial home. The sixth man to ever walk on the moon was Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, who said, The beauty of seeing Earth as a planet as opposed to being down here among it is a wonderful experience. That is the difference perspective makes. In the minutiae of day-to-day -day life, 
earth can seem like a lackluster, burdensome place. Those who have taken a cosmic step back to see the bigger picture would beg to differ. When astronaut Nicole Stott returned from the International Space Station, she said, you start out with this idea of what it's going to be like. And when you do finally look at the earth for the first time, you're overwhelmed by how much more beautiful it really is. It's just this dynamic, alive place that you see glowing before your eyes. A common theme among astronauts who have experienced the overview effect is the feeling that life on Earth is a gift that should never be wasted or taken for granted. Consider the profound reflections of NASA astronaut Ron Guerin, who after laying his eyes on Earth from outside the International Space Station, was struck by the unlimited possibilities that perspective can afford us. Quote, It was as if time stood still, and I was flooded with both emotion and awareness. But as I looked down at the earth, this stunning, fragile oasis, this island that has been given to us and that has protected all life from the harshness of space, a sadness came over me, and I was hit in the gut with an undeniable, sobering contradiction. In spite of the overwhelming beauty of this scene, I couldn't help thinking of the nearly one billion people who don't have clean water to drink, the countless number who go to bed hungry every night. Part of this is the realization that we are all traveling together on the planet, and that if we all looked at the world from that perspective, we would see that nothing is impossible. How could something as messy as this polluted planet, replete with pain and suffering, inspire someone to say nothing is impossible? It's all about your perspective. Whether you're looking at a work of art, planet Earth, or the Bible, your point of view will determine what you see. Read up close with a magnifying glass, the good book contains some very bad things. Zoom in on the wrong parts, isolated, and you'll likely feel underwhelmed, if not disgusted by what you see. But a change in perspective changes everything. Sometimes you have to step back to see the beauty. Occasional lists of Levitical laws don't make the Bible a rule book. A chapter full of numbers can't reduce it to a spreadsheet. A handful of battle scenes don't make it a bloodbath. Step back from the instances of isolated chaos to observe the scope of Scripture's sweeping story, and it all comes into focus. The Bible is messy up close because life is messy up close. The Bible is messy up close because love is messy up close. The Bible is messy up close because God is love. And more than anything else, the Bible is the story of a God who got messy so we could see how much he loves us. That's all for this week, everybody. Hope you have a great weekend. Remember, the Lord will fight for you. All you have to do is be still. We'll see you on Sunday in person here at The Story or online at thestory.church. Bye, everybody. <music>